One of my favourite times to speak to the incredible Peter Goffwood. Are you there? Time for pinch of salt, Peter. Are you awake? I'm awake. Uh, I'm is, your, awake. Is, your, is your ovens on? Your stoves are on? Everything is yeah. ready for your incredible... Up in the kitchen, we're all ready to rock. <laughs> I'm so glad. Listen, interestingly enough, I went on your website... And I saw that you worked in some of West End's award-winning restaurants. How was that in West End? How incredible! Yeah, yeah and I spent I spent ten years in London. Really? Um, pretty much all of the nineties. Yeah, I, I was very fortunate at the time because I have a I have dual citizenship. I'm British as well as South African citizenship. So, so working during the nineties wasn't an issue of work visas and stuff like that. I was able to move freely and, and work all over the place. That must have been um, incredible. Yeah, yeah, I was very, very fortunate to work in some really cool spaces for, for, for those 10 years. Any shows that, 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 did you watch shows regularly when you were down there? Mm-hmm. Oh, how incredible. Yeah. How incredible. Yeah. No, no, it, was a, it was a great time. It's a magnificent city to live in. I mean, from, but I mean, I originally went to London to go work for two years and then come back. Mm-hmm. But just was, uh, was lucky enough to work in some really cool places mm-hmm. and do a bit of traveling. So we just stayed and stayed. It wasn't until I was offered a job in Pontrick that, yeah. that I actually came back. But it's amazing traveling, I suppose, knowing about food, which you're a connoisseur in food, and just yeah. traveling. You've traveled to Bangkok, Sydney, I can't do it, Paris. Where, yes, where didn't been, you go? Also very, very, I mean, I've been very, very fortunate. I did a lot of stuff for the VTI. For, mm. um, so, so what the, the VTI organized is they have these trade missions that go to different countries. Mm. And they usually take long... Particularly, um, there's obviously big industrial ones, but they very much, very much sort of entrenched ones that have taken South African wines and South African food products. Mm-hmm. So whenever they do something along those lines, they invariably invite a chef along to do a sort of South African promotion using some of the products that, that these exhibitors did. So, so I got to go and cook in sure, Bangkok, wow. in Hanoi, uh, Moscow twice. Uh, Singapore, Paris, Stuttgart, um, Lisbon, a whole host of places. It's incredible, um, just an international yeah, flavour. No, I've been very blessed. I've been very, very lucky. And it's Easter almost. And what do you think of uh, your traditional South African food? What, what, what can you tell us? I know you've been to Paris. I'm a big fan of Parisian food. But let's talk a bit South African today um, because okay, well, that's where we are. Yeah, look, the first and most obvious thing, and it's something I absolutely love, and that's pickled fish. Pickled um, fish? A very traditional staple of this time of year, particularly in the Cape. Mm-hmm. Pickled fish, it's, it's, it's an absolute delight. Really? I, I love it. You see it in all the supermarkets now in plastic tubs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a, um, a, the recipe I use is less acidic, and also I, I don't put flour on the, on the, on the fish. Oh, don't so you? So I, I look for nice sturdy fish like yellowtail or something like that, mm-hmm. something that's nice and meaty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll, I'll grill that and then I'll make a, 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 that curry base. But what I tend to do is make it less acidic because I'm not, I'm not looking to preserve, to preserve it, which was the point of making pickled fish, mm-hmm. um, for a great length of time. So I probably do a third of the vinegar that most recipes do so that you still get that nice pickled and, and astringent taste to it, but you don't get that full-on vinegary kind of in-your-face taste. Mm. But you often have to put a lot of sugar in to counterbalance that, that, um, that vinegar. So that, to me, is, is always a, a good one. The other thing that I do every year mm-hmm. um, is I make, uh, I make hot cross buns. Hot cross buns, so of course. It started as a. It started as something I fancied trying one Easter, and now I'm not allowed. Woe betide! I don't get up to 
at uh, the early hours of Friday morning and make a couple of dozen. I have family members and friends who uh, are phone up and say, well, what time should we come pick up our hot cross buns? Why don't you and let them make it for you and then you can maybe sleep yeah. a bit later? Yeah, yeah not going to happen. Peter, um, but, but, but we'll make it for you. Just tell us how. How do we make, I don't know how to make hot cross buns. Oh, and it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a, a difficult process. It's just, it's, it's time consuming. Um, you know, you're, you're making an enriched dough. So you're making a bread dough that's got lots of butter in it and eggs. Um, and then you're obviously adding all the fruit bits and pieces to it. So oh. it, it takes, it, it's, it kind of proves in two stages and then you have to pipe the cross on it. In fact, one year, I, um, my oven broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to do them on the fly. So I've actually even made hot cross buns on, on, in a weaver. That's um, such a good idea for your Bry Master program. Yeah. I think hot cross buns should be bride. Yeah, because those who were demanding fresh hot cross buns were not going to accept the fact my oven was not working as a, as a suitable <laughs> excuse. So, yeah. There is no excuse not to bring out a no. hot cross bun for, for Easter. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just the most to. glorious thing. I'm, I'm quite a, I kind of like that sweet and savoury kind of vibe that, 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 Do you? that goes with hot cross buns. Mm. So I, for me, I love them with, obviously, I, you can have it with just hot butter, hot salted butter and nothing else, and I'd be, I'd be in hog heaven. But I like, for me, I like a bit of bovril and some grated cheddar cheese, a nice strong mature cheddar cheese on. Mm. And then you get that lovely kind of, that lovely balance between lovely sticky sort of sweet glazed bun with all the dried fruit and then you get this lovely sharp cheddar kick with a nice that kind of meaty bovril flavor so that for me is how gracious I, I you're making me hungry my, it sounds amazing i like my hot cross bun. but but yeah. but you know you you interesting that you say the fruit i wouldn't have thought of fruit with hot cross buns is that a is that a general thing that well, you know, what i'm saying is the fruit is that it's the it's the raisins and the peel that are in the actual dough itself right. not additional fruit no no, no. I wouldn't put additional fruit on. I'm talking about the raisins and sultanas and, and, and mixed mm. peel that are already baked into the into the into the bun. That is what you mean. Listen, you know what's interesting for me is um is is how how important do you think creativity is and being a chef? Do you think that is one of the trademarks of a brilliant chef is to have a creative yeah. mind? I think I, I think it helps. Mm. You know, I, I think it. I mean, that's not to say it's the most important thing, mm. but you've got to you've got to be able to be creative. And you know, you look at an ingredient and think, what can I be doing with this? How do I make this potato look sexy? Yes, you know, but, but, you <laughs> know, sexy potato. Consistency is, <laughs> consistency is probably more important than mm. creativity. Mm. Um, you know, it's one thing creating a dish. Uh, particularly do it for a living, the, the, the good chefs are able to replicate that mm. creativity. So they come up with an idea and they're able to do the same thing again and again and again over mm. time or over various numbers. Mm. Because it's all very well coming up with a cool idea, but if every time you go to the place it tastes a little bit different or it doesn't look the mm. same, that's, that's never a sign of a good restaurant. But no, right. I think creativity is, is, a, is, is hugely important. Mm. Uh, I think, I think you, you need to be able to think about food um, and I'm not talking about you know how do we how do we turn a tomato into something else and how do mm. we make it look or nothing as, as, as obscure as that mm. but just thinking about a magnificent tomato that's ripe and, and juicy mm. and, 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 and bursting the flavor and you say well how do I 
turn this into into a myriad of, of fabulous dishes, whether mm. whether I'm baking it, whether I'm turning it into a sauce, where I'm serving it raw with other ingredients. It's it's about understanding your ingredients and then thinking how do you get the best out of them. Because the mm. the, the best food for me is is the simplest. You know, oh, it's, all about, mm. it's all about pristine ingredients. And for me, shopping as is important as important as cooking. You know, getting the right ingredients mm. um, is is really really important. Because if you if you get really good ingredients, the whole secret is to do as little them as possible, mm. so that you're not trying to turn them into something else. And and therein lies the creativity. You know, how do you make the tomato sing? How do you Absolutely. make any seasonal ingredients? You know, shout mm. from the root. It's like that Ratatouille movie. I love that Ratatouille movie. But, you know, a lot of people are complaining about the prices of things. What what um, key ingredients in terms of your your herbs and stuff like that do you recommend, should you definitely have in your kitchen, just the minimal? Obviously, salt and pepper. A pinch of salt. It's very important. Yeah, salt, only you can't do anything without salt and pepper. No. For me, um, I've always... I mean, I've always got onions and garlic mm-hmm. and tinned tomatoes. That's oh. like a, a, a pantry staple for me because then you can always come up with something. Okay. You know, tinned tomatoes for me are, are, are a, a, a pan, always a pantry standard mm-hmm. because that's a soup, that's a stew, it's a sauce. Okay. It's, a, it's the base for a braising liquid. You know, you can't go wrong. Um, and you'll always you'll always have be able to conjure up something with onions, garlic, and some tinned tomatoes, and of course a decent bottle of olive oil always always comes in handy. Always true. There's nothing like great mm. olive oil. And thank you, Peter Garfield. It's so interesting talking to you. And just a last thing, what irritates me personally is if I go to a restaurant and I, I I'm one of those people that eat the same thing at the same restaurant and sit at the same seat. I'm mm. one of those boring people. But what really okay. irritates me is when they change. The the recipe and I really liked something speaking of consistency yes. um, you know and then they try something new and I go but why did you mess with my dish you know it's the only thing I eat here <laughs> it's why I come here you know so just in terms of restaurateurs and you've worked in so many restaurants uh, what what do you what is your suggestion in terms of changing recipes that actually work in a restaurant um, look I, I think I think again that, that depends on your customer base you know, mm. um, we, we we always do it. I mean, I'm the same. You know, mm. the, there are certain restaurants I go for certain dishes because yes. I know they're fabulous, and and it's not that I don't trust the rest of the cooking. But you you know, you one day go, oh, I fancy you butter chicken, yes. so I know where I'm going to go for that butter chicken <laughs> yes. because they do it brilliantly. Mm. Um, so so I think we all eat like that to a oh. large degree. We like to use um, to be used to something. You know, we like that. Yeah. Well, mm. well, you know, someone does something well, and so you say, oh, yeah, oh well, fancy lamb shank. You know who does the best lamb shank? And we always go because they have a lamb shank. Yes. So I think that that always presents problems. Chefs like to chop and change things just because they get bored. Right. You know, and, and I think what you have to do is find yourself somewhere local that you go on a regular basis where you trust their cooking mm. and that you know that whatever they do cook it's going to be fabulous mm. if it means every now and again you might have to try something else mm. then that's it then then you know that you're in the chef's hands mm. um but there'll always be those staples where you know the best place for fish and chips is so and so or the best pizza is here um and and i think i think you can have the best of both worlds
Perfect. Peter, it's always great. I can touch you the whole day. You are so, so interesting, <laughs> really. And you're giving me so many tips. I'm writing down my shopping list. I've got my onions and my tomato mix, yes, and my garlic and my olive oil. That is what you say must be in my yeah. pantry. Thank you very much, Peter Govwood. Listen, have an incredible day. Enjoy your cooking. I will do indeed. Watch Ratatouille. And, uh, the rest of the Yes. Yeah, Ratatouille. Yeah, no, Love that movie. It's one of my favorite film movies, food movies. Even though he's a rat. <laughs> um, he's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peter. Have a fantastic day. And uh, we look forward to more Easter recipes for you from you next week. There he goes. Peter Goffwood, he's gone cooking. There he goes, running, running, running to his stoves. Isn't he interesting? I really love chatting to him. It's Pinch of Salt with the incredible Peter Goffwood.